Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Thank you. Welcome to Numa Church, everyone, and welcome to Revival Season. We are believing that the next month is going to be an amazing time together as we move back towards live gatherings. And so there's some important announcements for everyone at Numa Church at every location. This coming Wednesday night, we are launching Revival Nights. And so we've got uh, the evangelist, uh, Tim Hall, coming and ministering from our city location platform. And what we are doing at our city location this coming Wednesday night is we're opening up three spaces across our venue where we can have a hundred people in each space. And so what's really important is that you get online and register ASAP, not during my sermon, but after the message, uh, after the service, you register online. And for every other location, we are encouraging locations to meet together up to 100 people and have watch parties and really celebrate all things revival as we get ready to launch into Revival Conference. And so this coming Wednesday night, we are going to be having uh, live gatherings up to 100 people in each space. And if you do miss out, then we would encourage you to register for the coming weeks because we need to do all that we can to get back to live gatherings. And so this coming Wednesday night, Revival Nights are happening for those who unfortunately don't get registered on time. We will be showing this online. So make sure you uh, zoom in and check in online at 7pm on Wednesday night. And by the way, we're not on Zoom, but that's just a figure of speech. Just tune in is what I'm saying. Then coming next Sunday, uh, we are uh, trying to head back to live gatherings. And so we'll be doing a similar thing at our city location, opening up registrations for 100 people in our main auditorium and 100 people in another space, as well as up to 100 in our kids space. And so we will be encouraging our other locations to do the same. So as of tomorrow on Monday, you can register online for that. And then we are believing in the following weeks that we'll be opening up even more spaces for us to meet together. We are on course for Revival Conference and we are believing that we're going to be meeting together and I'm going to be asking you to actually commit yourself as of tomorrow to 21 days prayer and fasting. I'll talk more about that in a moment. But we are believing this is going to be a divine bounce back into the rest of the year as we move forward into all that God has for us. Also, next Sunday, we will be announcing something very significant in the life of Numa Church for one of our locations. And it's important that you are tuning in and watching next Sunday because we will be making that announcement. Okay, well, I'm ready for the Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your presence is in our hearts. It's in our lives. It's in the room that we find ourselves in right now. 
And we declare that revival season is open in Jesus' Name. You've been speaking to us, prompting us and preparing us for what is to come over these coming months. And I just pray, Lord God, that there'd be an ignition of the Spirit in the Spirit realm right now, that as this Word goes forth, our hearts would be encouraged, our minds would be sharpened and our spirits would be prepared for what is about to happen in our own lives, in our families, businesses and in the life of our church right across the city of Melbourne and beyond. We are believing for a move of Your Spirit in Jesus' Name. And everyone said, Amen. I want to invite you to turn with me to Hosea, the prophet Hosea. Uh, Chapter 10, verse 12, just one verse. And uh, Hosea is uh, just before the book of Joel and just after the book of Daniel. It's a book of the Bible that is not often preached from, yet it has so much power packed into it. And uh, I want to read one verse. The prophet declares, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fellow ground. For it is the time to seek the Lord that He may come and rain righteousness upon you. I want to speak to you today on the subject, it's time for revival. It's time for revival. Now, the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, is the hottest ticket in combat sports, and it's filled with all sorts of personalities and controversies. And one of the voices that make UFC what it is, is the pre-fight announcer, Bruce Buffer. And whenever Bruce Buffer is getting ready to announce the main event and the main championship fight, he will begin his announcement by heralding, it's time. And today I want to declare to you, it's time for revival. And over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about preparing for revival, what it looks like to be a part of a move of God. And I believe today as we launch this season and series leading up to our revival conference, that just as in the Word of God, the Bible records that in the spring of the year, when kings would go out to war, I believe that as we move from this last month of winter, thank you Jesus, into the season of spring, that we are entering into a time where we're going to see a momentum shift in our city, in our nation, and in the life of our church. And I really believe it for you, I believe it for us. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.1, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. As you've heard me talk about before, there are two dimensions of time that the Bible records. There is chronos time and kairos time. Chronos time is the ticking of the clock and the turning of the calendar. Many people are simply living their life by chronos time. But the Bible reveals that there is such a thing as kairos time. That is that God-appointed window of opportunity where your preparation meets God's purposes and there is a convergence of the times and seasons of heaven that God is wanting to pour out His purposes and His blessing upon our lives. I believe that we need to not simply interpret the purposes of God for our lives based upon the chronos ticking of the clock, turning of the calendar and the natural circumstances around us, but we need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us revelation into the times and seasons of God that we find ourselves in so that we don't miss the Kairos window that God is giving to us today. I'm preaching better than you're shouting at me today. 
It is so important that we understand. Jesus said to the crowds way back in the Gospels 2,000 years ago, you know how to interpret the weather patterns, but you don't know how to discern the present time. And in the book of Hosea, the prophet Hosea was called by God to prophesy to Israel at a time of great unfaithfulness. In fact, God asked Hosea to do a prophetic act, something extremely significant, and that is to love and marry a prostitute named Goma. She was unfaithful to Hosea, in fact, having children with other men. And God asked Hosea, to love and marry this prostitute as a symbolic act that no matter how unfaithful Israel was, God's redeeming love cannot be exhausted. That His redeeming love and His grace will continue on to the very end, believing that God's people will return in repentance and faithfulness to God. And so the prophet Hosea in verse 12 of this passage opens up our revival season by declaring, sow for yourselves righteousness and you'll reap steadfast love. You see, before revival comes, we must sow seeds of righteousness into our lives. God has built a universal law into the economy of the kingdom of God. It's called sowing and reaping. Whatever one sows, that which you also will reap. In the natural, you can't sow pumpkin seeds and expect to reap an orchard of apples. It's just not going to happen. You, you, you can't expect, that's irrational, it's illogical. If you plant a pumpkin seed, you are going to get back pumpkins because every fruit and animal reproduces after their own kind. You and I reproduce after our own kind. It's the same in the spiritual realm. You can't sow lust and reap love. You can't sow dishonesty and reap integrity. You can't sow stinginess and reap generosity. The Bible says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God in order of importance and priority. Seek the rule and reign of the Lordship of Jesus in your life first and His righteousness. And then all these other things that often we're seeking for in the context of practical things will be added to you. Too often we are guilty of chasing all these other things and not sowing into our lives the reality of the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Righteousness is both a posture of the heart and it's a practice of our lives. To be righteous is to be in right standing with God. It's about your spiritual position before God, to be justified before God. Righteousness is not achieved by our own works. It's received by faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift of God's grace that when we believe in Jesus, confess our sin and surrender our hearts to the Lordship of Jesus, we receive by faith the free gift of righteousness. But you also need to understand it's reproduced in our actions by faith. Faith apart from works is dead. It's not enough for it to just be an acknowledged posture of our heart. It's got to be reproduced in our daily lives. 
Psalm 24, 3 says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in His holy place? And the answer comes back, He who has clean hands and a pure heart. In other words, David draws this correlation between the posture of our hearts and the cleanness of our hands. There must be a connection. Then one leads to the other. But before we can sow righteousness into our lives, the prophet tells us that we must break up the fellow ground of our hearts. In verse 12, he says, break up your fellow ground. Now, it's so important you listen to the next few moments because I believe God is going to do some heart surgery on all of us this morning. You see, fellow ground is ground that is lying idle. It once yielded fruit, but now is unproductive. Now it is barren. What good is an abundance of seed and torrential rain on ground that is uncultivated? You see, unfortunately, revival has been the exception and not the norm in church history because many believers haven't paid the price to break up the fellow ground of their hearts, to prepare the way of the Lord in their own hearts. Attending church is good, but it doesn't constitute what it means to break up the fellow ground. There's got to be an individual and corporate intentionality to examine our hearts and break up the fellow ground. Breaking up the fellow ground looks like embracing a humble and contrite heart before God. In Isaiah 57, 15, the prophet declares, I dwell with him who is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. You see, a broken heart before God isn't revival, but it's an indispensable step towards it. It doesn't mean that revival has come, but without breaking up the fellow ground of our hearts, we are not going to see a move of God in our lives, nor are we going to see it corporately, nor are we going to see it across our city and nation. 1 Samuel 7.3, the prophet Samuel declared to Israel, prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve Him only and He will deliver you. In other words, if you will do what God asks you to do, God will do what you can't do in your own strength. The Lord said to me at the, end of the, at the start of this year, not the end, we're not there yet, I'm being prophetic. The start of this year, if you will do what I'm asking you to do, I'll do what you cannot do. And many of us are trying to do God's job when God's asking us to do our job. And our job is to sow righteousness. Our job is to break up the fellow ground and He will come and rain revival on us. What's fellow ground? Fellow ground in the natural is hard. Revival ground is soft. When we become insensitive to sin, we become unresponsive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and our hearts become hard. When we're indifferent to the plight of lost people and we stop believing in God's power to reach them with signs and wonders, our hearts have become hard. When we have all the right expressions religiously, but few of the right experiences spiritually, our hearts have become hard. Israel couldn't enter the promised land because their hearts were hardened through unbelief. 
a hard heart will stop you from entering into the fullness of God's purposes and promises for your life. And that is why the Hebrew writer exhorts us in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, take care lest there be in any of you an unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by sin. In a season where we're told to increasingly isolate ourselves and disconnect from people, the whole trajectory of the Word of God is to actually get into each other's spaces and proximity and exhort one another to not fall away and to not become hardened by sin. You need somebody else's voice speaking into your life. You need this Word for your heart today. We need the Word of God to be a rudder in our heart. We don't just need people to sympathise with us in our valley. We need someone, a preacher, a prophet to call us to our mountaintop. We need someone who's going to be a voice that says, don't you dare retreat into passivity. Stop hibernating in the cave of your soul and come out under the plains of God's purposes for your life. There's more for you in this season. It's time for revival. You see, fallow ground in the natural is weed covered, but revival ground is pure. Thorns and thistles are part of the curse. They typify sin in Genesis 3. And how many of us know uh, all of the horticulturists out there, of which I am not an expert, but how many of us know that weeds don't need help to grow? They grow all by themselves. I haven't spent a lot of time with Jim's mowing in the garden, but this much I know, that you don't need some sort of magic potion to grow weeds. They just have this ability to grow all by themselves. How do weeds grow? They are the product of indifference. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 30, I passed by the field of the sluggard and it was all overgrown with thorns and weeds. You see, just as a beautiful garden doesn't happen by itself, so too a pure heart doesn't just happen by itself. We've got to get proactive in tearing out the weeds of sin that will choke God's Word from bearing fruit in our lives. We've got to stop excusing lust as a mistake. We've got to stop excusing pride as personality. We've got to stop excusing lying as self-preservation. These are weeds that will choke out the fruitfulness of the Spirit. And the world wants to try and overcompensate and support our dysfunction. But the Spirit of God is saying it's time to break up the fellow ground. It's time to partner with the Holy Spirit and begin to pull out those weeds because while salvation is a gift, sanctification is a partnership between you and me and the Holy Spirit. What's sanctification? Simply becoming like Jesus. And whilst the power of the Spirit is given to us to become like Jesus, you and I need to be willing partners in the process. You know, in the parable of the sower, Jesus talked about the seed that fell amongst the thorns that choked out the life of that seed. Why is it that one person hearing God's Word can produce nothing and yet another person hears the same Word and produces 100-fold? The answer is that one is diligent in cultivating the, their hearts and the other isn't. That's why in Jeremiah 4.3, he says, "'Sow not among thorns.'" 
If you've sown much and reap little in your life, could it be that you're sowing in a field of thorns and before you're going to see the fruitfulness of the garden of your heart and the garden of your life, you've got to start to rip out some, some weeds and some thorns that are actually in there. You are a willing partner with your sanctification. God wants to bring revival, but you've got to understand that revival ground is purified. Not only that, but fellow ground is barren. Revival ground is fruitful. I wanna tell every single one of us today, religious activity can't make up for poor character. It doesn't matter how busy you get in ministry and in life doing a bunch of good things for people in your community. Busyness often covers up poverty of spirit. And one of the things that we've all been confronted with in a season of lockdown and restriction is the state of our own souls. And for some of us, it's been a cause of great anxiety, not just the fact that we're restricted in what we can do or what we can earn, but for once we've been confronted in our own mirrors. Michael Jackson, take a, the man in the mirror, take a look in the mirror. We've been confronted with the reality of the poverty of our own spirits. And so if all you've done is tried to distract yourself with Netflix and, and stuff that's in social media and online to try and not, Face up to the realities of your own soul. You've missed the blessing of this season. This season is not about achieving things for God. This season is about God doing stuff in you. It's not about what God is doing through you in this season. It's about what God is doing in you in this season because this is a season to break up the fellow ground. This is a season to be prepared for the coming harvest of righteousness and fruitfulness that is coming into our lives, coming into our church, coming into our city. Let's not miss this Kairos window of opportunity because in just a short few weeks, I'm telling you, we're gonna come out of this and there's gonna be a move of God in your life, in your business, in this city. We're gonna be so careful that we're not like the fig tree that Jesus came to and it had a whole bunch of leaves on it, but there were no figs. In other words, it had the appearance of fruitfulness, but not the substance of fruitfulness. It was receiving life, but it wasn't passing life on. That's like some Christians. They're all leaves and no fruit. There's a whole lot of leaf going on, not a whole lot of fruit going on. There's a whole lot of this, but not a whole lot of substance going on in the heart. Let us not be those who have the appearance of godliness, but deny the power of godliness in our lives. All of God's dealings in our lives is to actually help us produce more fruit. What sort of fruit are you talking about, Pastor Corey? I'm talking about the character fruits of the Holy Spirit. God's more concerned with who we're becoming than in what we're achieving. We're more committed to what we're achieving. God's more committed to who we're becoming. You're not gonna be able to carry necessarily what you've achieved into eternity. But I tell you what you are gonna carry into eternity is your love for God, your love for others, and that which has been cultivated and authored by the Spirit of God in your life. In 1 Peter 3.8, the Apostle Peter lists a bunch of character qualities that we are to add to our knowledge of God. And at the end in verse eight, 
of that list, he says, if these character qualities are increasing in your life, they keep you from being unfruitful. I don't know about you, but whether it's raining or whether it's famine, whether the, the tithes are coming in or the tithes are going out, I wanna be someone who in every season is producing fruitfulness in my life. And the book of Psalms in Psalms chapter one talks about that tree that yields its fruit in every single season. Let me tell you, if you're planted in the Word of the Lord and you're planted in the Spirit of God and you're planted in this house, I'm telling you, whether it's feast or famine, you can produce fruit in every single season of your life. Don't you dare believe the lie and believe the rhetoric of the world that says you've just got to bunker down and hold on to to everything is open up and the rapture bus comes. I like that rapture bus. And and you've got to hold on. I'm telling you, you don't have to hold on for nothing. You've got to hold on to Jesus. And when you hold on for Jesus and do what He asks you to do, you can be fruitful in every season. You see, the cultivation of our hearts is intimately related to the third condition of revival. And that is before revival comes, we must seek the Lord with prevailing prayer. Hosea the prophet said this in the Last part of verse 12, or the third part, he said, for it is time to seek the Lord until. Everybody say until with me. I know I can't hear all of you at home, but everybody repeat after me, until. It is time to seek the Lord until. You see, it's only out of a heart ploughed deep that prevailing prayer can spring forth. In Jeremiah 29, 13 The prophet declares, you shall seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you really want God, you'll find Him. If you really wanna know His will for your life, you'll find it. We have this propensity, this capacity to get that which we desire. If you really want it, if you really want God to speak, you really want God to move, it'll happen when you seek Him with all your heart. When Nehemiah, cupbearer to the king, (coughs) excuse me, heard of the broken down walls of Jerusalem. Not only was his heart moved, but for many days he prayed and fasted. Beginning tomorrow, we are entering into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I wanna invite every single person in our church to join with me to fast one meal daily and to replace it with prayer. And for half an hour to an hour every day in that meal that you fast, why don't we come together and pray in our own lives, in our own walk with God. Every morning here at our city location, we're gonna have a daily prayer meeting, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. We're gonna open up the city location at 7 a.m. over the next 21 days and we're gonna seek God in prayer. I wanna invite you to participate in a move of God By following Nehemiah's example, it is time to seek the Lord until. You know, prayer and fasting is the nuclear bomb of breakthrough. There comes a time where the little hand grenade and the little handgun isn't gonna get the job done. It's time to go nuclear on the enemy in Jesus' name. It's time to actually push the red button, the green button, every other button and start to seek God like you've never sought Him before. It's time to seek the Lord in the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of revival reign. Today is the day. 
where we begin to posture our hearts in prayer and fasting. Now, it's interesting if you look at the life of Nehemiah, what he prayed about. What is it that preoccupied Nehemiah's prayers? The answer is he reminded God of his covenant promises to Israel. He's a very smart man. You see, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 7, 9, God is faithful who keeps covenant and steadfast love to a thousand generations. The most effective intercession throughout history is based on the promises of God, not simply the petitions of the desires of your heart. Why is that? Because all the promises of God are yes and amen. If you find yourself in a, in a season of your life where God is not answering your prayers, you need to come back to the promises of God. You need to find out what's on God's heart and you need to start praying about what's on His heart. You need to go back to the promises in the Word of God and you need to start praying those promises. You need to go back to the covenant commitments that God has made throughout His Word and begin to align your prayers and your petitions with those covenant promises. You need to go back to the prophecies previously made about you and by them wage a good warfare in prayer and intercession. You need to remind God of what He has already declared and spoken over your life. You see, the key that builds faith in prayer is to remind God of what He's already promised. God loves you and I praying His promises back to Him. He loves it. Why? Because the Bible says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall remain forever. And unfortunately, many who pray never obtain because not only are they not praying the promises of God, but they stop short of praying until... Just before the breakthrough, just before the move of the Spirit, they stopped short of praying until. My grandmother prayed for my grandfather's salvation for 40 years, every single day of her life. And in his latter years were the most glorious years of their marriage and of our extended family. Why? Because there was a praying wife, there was a praying grandmother who prayed until something happens. In this season, you and I must pray until something happens. We've got to push into the Spirit. We've got to punch our prayers through every obstacle and barrier and limitation and we've got to pray until something shifts. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in doing good for in due season you'll reap if you don't give up. What are the promises you've given up on? What are the prayers that you've given up on? What are the prophecies that you've walked away from? Because it's time to pray until. It's time to get a, a, a spirit of importunity. I love that word. A spirit of persistence. A spirit of perseverance that begins to push through every barrier and every hindrance that is coming against you. Yes, we are in the midst of a fog of war, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And the battle belongs to those who pray until something happens. The prophet Hosea declares when we break up the fellow ground, when we sow seeds of righteousness into our lives and when we seek the Lord until, that is when God will pour out the rain of revival upon us. The last part of this verse, the prophet declares, seek the Lord until He comes and rains Righteousness upon you. 
You know, in the Bible, water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus declared that out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Water is also symbolic of the cleansing of the Word of God in our hearts and in our lives, but it is often a symbol of the Holy Spirit. One of the famous stories in the Bible about rain and water is in the life of the prophet Elijah. God called Elijah to prophesy to Israel at a time when there was a famine in the land. Not just a famine in the natural, but a famine in the spirit realm. King Ahab and Queen Jezebel were not leading the nation towards righteousness and towards the worship of Yahweh, but they were leading the nation to worship false gods, the occultic and and drawing attention to themselves. And so the prophet Elijah was called to prophesy at a time when there was great famine in the land, both natural and spiritual. And Elijah called King Ahab to prepare his chariot because he could hear the sound of rain in the spirit realm. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and he took his servant with him. And he got down on his knees and he put his face between his knees and he began to intercede for rain. And he told his servant to go and look out on the horizon to see if any clouds of rain were coming. And six times he prayed and six times the servant went and he looked on the horizon and could not see any cloud on the horizon. But Elijah understood the principle of seek the Lord until something happens. And on the seventh time, the servant came back and said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand on the horizon. And Elijah started to do a glory jig and he said, that's good enough for me. And he began to declare, hey, Ahab, you better get in your chariot and you better get moving because there is rain coming to the famine of this land. And that rain came, the clouds began to turn black and dark and there was a torrential downpour of rain, which was also symbolic of the work of the Spirit that was about to happen in the nation of Israel on top of Mount Carmel. And I'm here to prophesy to somebody today. You may feel like you are in a land of famine, that the ground around you is fallow. It's hard. It's unproductive. It's not producing much fruit. It's got weeds all over it. But I'm here to declare to you, I hear the sound of rain. I hear the sound. I got the smell of rain in my spirit this morning. And I'm declaring over to you, the rain of revival is coming our way. And it may not feel like it. It may not even look like it in the natural, but you've got to discern the time and the season that we're in. I am not looking to the news to find my cue for how I'm going to live my life. I am not looking to the spirit and rhetoric of this world to find my cue for how I'm going to look for how, how I live my life. I am looking to the reign of the Spirit. I'm looking to the Word of the Lord. And I'm saying, God, give me a heart of the son of Issachar that will discern the time and the season that we are in. And I declare revival rain is coming to you. It's coming to your home address. It's coming to your body. It's coming to your business. It's coming to this church. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says. Remember last week, we will be a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. There is revival rain coming. Why? Because it's time for revival. I see, the, I see in the Spirit 
that a cloud the size of a man's hand. It doesn't look like much. It doesn't look like it's gonna bring torrential rain, but I'm telling you, it's gonna build and it's gonna build and it's gonna build until there is a great flood of souls and of the work of the Spirit and of signs and wonders and of resource into the Kingdom of God. It may take a week, a month, a year. I don't care, but I'm gonna pray until. We're gonna seek the Lord until. We are not leaving our posts. We are not abandoning our trench. We are doing what God has called us to do. And you've got to get that spirit of grit into your spirit today. You've got to get that holy resolve into your heart today that you will not walk away. That God's shift is not being called off duty. That you are still on point with the purposes of God for your life. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for revival. Wherever you are, I want you to stand up right now. I can just foresee in lounge rooms all across our city, people already standing up and throwing things at the TV screen right now. Because if I was in my room and heard that preaching, I would. But it's time. And so wherever you are right now, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to begin to pray with me. And we're gonna sing that song again, that it's time for the reign of revival. I can hear that sound. And as we sing it, I'm believing right now that where there's been dry and thirsty, weary land in your spirit, that the rain of His presence will come. So Father, right now we lift our hands to You. We open up our hearts to You. And we declare today, O God, that Lord, it's not raining men, it's raining Jesus. And I just declare over every single soul, every single person, every single family represented from the youngest to the oldest that God we hear the sound of rain we see a cloud in the spirit realm on the horizon the size of a man's hand Lord that's enough we refuse to give up we refuse to walk away but we hear the sound of rain and I declare oh God that over these next few weeks as we begin to gather back together again that Lord you're moving us from restriction to revival I don't just believe it for us but I prophesied over the city of Melbourne and over the nation of Australia that God, we would not take our cue from the press conference, we would take our cue from the Holy Spirit. God, what You are doing, what You are saying in this hour, we get our eyes off the natural and we get our eyes onto the supernatural. Just like You did with that servant, would You open our eyes to see that there are more with us and there are those against us. God, we declare it today. We believe it today. We ask for it today. We seek after it today. It's time for revival. We'll sow righteous seeds into our hearts. We'll break up the fellow ground. We'll seek the Lord until You rain righteousness upon us. I declare over itinerant ministries, the reign of revival is coming to bring a bounce back into your ministry. I declare over every pastor of every church that has questioned in weariness and fatigue, the reign of revival is coming into your life and coming into your ministry. I declare over every husband and wife who've been in a famine in their marriage, the 
the reign of revival is coming into your hearts and lives. I declare over every business owner and CEO and employer, the reign of revival is coming into your life and into your business. I declare to every student and teenager and young child, the reign of revival is coming into your heart. It's coming into your life. I prophesy it's open season for revival. It's open season for a move of God. Come on, wherever you are right now. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.